Hey, this morning we are blessed to have one of our missionaries here, one of the missionaries that we support. So Charles Smoker, come on up here. And uh, Charles is with Glint International, and he serves in Japan with his wife. Um, unfortunately, his wife could not be here today, um, so he's going to fill in some more details. But it's just a real privilege to have Charles Smoker with us to share this morning. And uh, we're excited to hear what he has to say from the Lord. Before he begins, let's pray, okay? Father, thank you so much that Charles could be here today and share with us from your word and share a little bit about what he's doing in the country of Japan to tell the people there about Jesus. Father, I pray that your spirit would empower him and guide him this morning as he shares. And Father, we're grateful for this partnership that we have with he and Anna Marie and that we can partner together to spread the good news of Jesus to the country of Japan. Father, we give you thanks we give you praise for being such a good, good father. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, good morning, everybody. Can you hear me? Okay. Uh, it's really good to be here. Oh, yeah. I was going to teach you good morning in Japanese. How many know what good morning is in Japanese? I mentioned as a joke a couple years ago. Oh, Yes. Wow, very, very good. Wow, give those guys a hand. Yeah. The easy form is just Ohio, the state west of Pennsylvania, right? But how do you guys know that, by the way? Okay. I'll talk to you. Well, I'm impressed. I, I will share a little bit about Japan after the message, but I want the message to be the, the main focus this morning, uh, so feel free to talk to me uh, later. Speaking of the message, I think it's a very, very good message. Now, that may sound arrogant, but it's because I did not write it. Another missionary uh, wrote it at our missions conference, and I thought it was just really a, a treasure uh, full of uh, many, many, yeah, Good point. So I want to share that uh, this morning. I'll go through it verse by verse, and hopefully you can catch some of the treasure in God's Word along with me. Uh, we'll try to follow along. So it's from John 21. I guess they're going to try to show the slides. So rather than read it, I'm just going to go through it verse by verse. So please feel free to follow along in your Bibles or your cell phones or on the screen up here. This is usually called the miraculous catch of fish. I'm sure that's a subtitle or heading in your Bible. But as my missionary friend wrote it, the other three miracles. Verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Of course, the background is, this is after the resurrection of Jesus. The disciples are back in Galilee, back where it all started. Now, this Galilee is 75 miles uh, from Jerusalem. 
So maybe they fled there to escape possible persecution. It probably took several days' journey to get there. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 5, this was the first miraculous catch of fish. And this takes place also right here at the same spot. And this is where the ministry of Jesus started. I mean, where the, first, the ministry of the disciples started after the first catch of fish when Jesus called it. So the afterword, too, refers to the second exclusive surprise visit to the disciples. Uh, Doubting Thomas was in the main character in the second uh, appearance of Jesus. The first one he doubted. Second one he said, oh, Jesus, you're my Lord and uh, my God. So all these visits were always kind of surprising, right? Because Jesus would just appear randomly. I think it was also still taking time for the disciples to absorb all this. Jesus, who was with us and crucified and now resurrected, some kind of new resurrection body. Yeah, this is, this is tough for these people to absorb. Verse 2, Simon Peter and Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples were together. Here we have seven of the 11 disciples. I say 11 because Judas committed suicide and they had not yet chosen Matthias or Matthias yet. We have the main three, Peter, James, and John, and Doubting Thomas is in this group. So verse 3, Peter says, I'm going out to fish. Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Some believe that Peter was wrong to go back to fishing. Maybe this was a compromised return to a former occupation. Were they returning to their previous livelihood they had before Jesus called them to be fishers of men? Maybe Peter got his validation from his job, making a living on his own efforts, trusting in his own abilities rather than trusting in Jesus as a follower of Christ. It's good we as Christians are never like that, right? We never, take our, we never have our identity and value in our jobs, do we? That's important, but our identity is really in Christ. And I, too, as a missionary, forget that many, many times during the week. So I'm right there with you guys. Maybe the disciples thought that they would be safe, far away from Jerusalem, safe from the mobs, looking to escape from Jerusalem. And maybe just simply they had no more cash, they needed some food, they needed to make a living. But either way, Peter was back to fishing, just like the good old days. And then scripture is very clear, they caught nothing. A big zero. This is the first miracle. No fish caught. Sounds strange, huh? Why? These were professional fishermen. They were only a few feet away from the fish. But they didn't catch any. There were seven fishermen. Again, they weren't fishing by uh, hooking some bait on a hook and fishing. They were probably doing it by nets. But they caught nothing. 
My friend called this the miracle, I'm sorry, the favor of frustration. And they were probably thinking after a night of fishing, we got to go home with nothing. What's my wife going to say? There might be embarrassment, disappointment. Kids are crying. What an embarrassment, frustration. What's the favor? God is looking to teach them something about themselves. I think God arranged for zero catch that night to remind Peter and the disciples that they needed, that they are fishers of men, not fishermen anymore. Was Jesus testing them? I, I think so. Maybe he was saying, oh, you think you're going back to your job you had before, three years ago. You're scared, possibly afraid, but no, no. I want you to be fishers of men. Sometimes I learn better by tougher experiences. How about you? Anybody else like that? Amen? Yes, I guess we can say amen to that, right? Not just the good things, but sometimes tough experience, experiences teach us more than anything. As a missionary at a missions conference in May, we were asked what what our learning style? What's our learning style? And there's experiential, logical, written. And my answer was VS. Have you ever thought of VS as a learning style? You know what it means? Very slow. How many of you are very slow in learning? Yes? The disciples were the same way. They were slowly, I think, figuring things out in the midst of fear and probably anxiety and Maybe, yeah, of being caught and rounded up. On a practical level, sometimes in ministry or in church work, there is no catch, or at least we don't see anything. We work, maybe we labor. We may feel we're spinning our wheels or even going backwards. Maybe we feel like giving up. I'm sure these seven disciples felt like giving up. No fish at all, all night long, nothing to bring home. This, again, is the first miracle. No fish caught. But Jesus was at work in their hearts. Verse 4. Okay. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. We don't know exactly why they didn't recognize Jesus. Perhaps it was simply because it was early morning and there was fog or mist on the lake. Or maybe they were preoccupied with their failure, wondering what they did wrong or could have done differently. Or maybe being angry with God. Why, why? Remember, they always caught fish when they went out at night. Why didn't, they, why didn't they recognize Jesus? I think mainly because Jesus wanted to show them that he is Lord over not only their fishing, their job, but their lives. When things don't go my way, I confess that I sometimes don't see God or I get frustrated or upset with God. But God's been teaching me not to say why or not to get frustrated, but God's been teaching me, I got you. I got your back. I'm there with you. I don't always do a good job. In fact, I probably don't usually do a good job when facing frustration. 
but God's showing me, I got your back. I'm there with you. Verse 5, uh, Jesus called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they replied. This was apparently a common greeting. Stay saying, how are you doing? Amongst fishermen, they would say, Hey, haven't you any fish? In Japan, I was told by the same friend who wrote this message that among fishermen in Japan, there are some unwritten cultural rules to stay humble and not embarrass others. In other words, they say, have you caught anything? And the proper response is, not too much. That way, you don't attract attention. If you do have a lot of fish, but if you also strike out, you save face by just saying, ah, I'm doing okay, not too much. But the disciples said a direct no. They had fallen flat on their faces, all seven of them. In fishing terms, they're just wasting time. Or maybe if you've gone fishing before, maybe you're just giving, you're just feeding the fish some bait, right? You're feeding the fish some worms or corn. Now again, they're fishing with probably with uh, nets, but it was a big disappointment. But Jesus was saying, follow me, rely on me. Don't rely on your efforts or your experience or your job training or your skills. Follow me. Uh, six, verse 6, Jesus said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. This is not logical advice. It's a few feet away. This is not logical advice. Yet our God doesn't always work in logical ways. Right? Amen? We like to be logical and think things through. A, B, C, D, sequence. But God does not always work in logical ways. In fact, to the unsaved, following Jesus is not only illogical, it's foolishness. Why spend your time on Sunday morning in church, etc.? It's foolishness. Also, uh, I wonder if the disciples didn't start thinking, now wait a minute, haven't we seen this scene before? Someone calling to us from the shore, asking if they caught any fish. But sometimes God lets us, again, go through our experiences to see the end results, maybe even painful life lessons. And then, suddenly, it makes sense. Part B uh, verse 6 and also verse 7 and 8. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Now it made sense to Peter. They had seen this movie before. Verse 7. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. Again, this is John. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It's the Lord. Peter wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. It's the Lord. These words happen several times in Scripture. One time is when, after Jesus' resurrection, when John reached the tomb before Peter, and Peter recognized the fact of Jesus' resurrection. He's like, yes, it's, it's, it's. When he saw him, and it's the Lord, it's the Lord. 
Here John was first in recognition, but Peter would be first in devotion. The boat couldn't move quickly enough for Peter, and he perhaps didn't want John to be the first again. We don't know. Remember, there was always some rivalry between these guys. Interestingly enough, Peter was the only one of the seven disciples to jump out of the boat and race to shore. Was he out of control emotionally or just devoted? Was he not being responsible like the other six disciples were? Someone had to bring the boat in, right? Bring the fish in. Who was more responsible? I don't know. What's the best response? I don't know. I think both responses are okay. We need both types of people. We need uh, initiators and finishers, the ones who just jump out there. We also need the ones to, to make good decisions as well. But yet I was reminded uh, by a chapter in David Platt's book, it's a good book, by the way. It's called Follow Me. And he has a quote from Jonathan Edwards, who was a preacher in the 19th century. He wrote about how we can become so excited about daily things like sports. I love sports, so I understand this. We can be, become so excited about daily things, successes and uh, achievements, but yet when it comes to spiritual matters, we can become so dull. Jonathan Edwards wrote, if we are going to be emotional about anything, shouldn't it be our spiritual lives? Is anything more uh, inspiring, more exciting, more lovable, and more desirable in heaven or earth than the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel story is designed to affect us emotionally. It touches our hearts at the tenderest parts, shaking us deeply to the core. So it's okay to get excited about God. Yes? Amen. Verses 9 and 10 and 11. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. An interesting side point here is that even though Jesus had enough fish, he still, wanted, he still wanted to include their fish, which they had labored for. Why is 153 recorded here? I don't know. There's some possible interpretations. But my guess is just that it's what hunters and fishermen do, right? How many of you guys hunt or fish? A few people, okay. How many brag about that? six-point buck or eight-point buck, and it weighed, uh, I don't know, 140 pounds, or you caught that 12-and-a-half-inch fish, right? You never forget those things, right? So to me, it was just a matter of what fishermen remember, how many fish, how big they were. But it's an eyewitness account. It's an eyewitness account. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the, the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Remember, Thomas was there. He had made that mistake one time before. He wasn't going to make it again. Jesus knew right where there would be. Remember how many miles away is Galilee, Galilee from Jerusalem? And we didn't have 
G GPS right, and there they were out at night. Probably they didn't tell many people, but there Jesus was on the shore waiting for them. Right on the job site. Do we invite Jesus to our job sites, to our work? More than the amazing ability to know exactly where they were, Jesus showed up to spend time with the disciples to challenge them to take the gospel to the world. Jesus gave up his life for the disciples, but they deserted him. They couldn't even stay awake for a few minutes in his biggest hour of need before his crucifixion. And of course, Peter, what did Peter do? In modern terms, Peter threw Jesus under the bus. Yeah, I don't know you, I don't know you. Three times he, didn't, he denied Jesus. Yet, what does Jesus do? Avoid them? No, he comes to meet them, specifically to spend time with Peter. Jesus, Jesus obviously forgave them. He made them breakfast. Do we ever deny Jesus? Do I? Of course. Yeah, constantly. Of course, I don't have an idol at home, but I have idols in my heart. And we probably aren't saying, no, 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 I don't know Jesus, but do we ever deny him by our actions, our words? Maybe we could speak up sometime and share, but we're afraid that we don't. So we're not denying Jesus by, yeah, going to a temple or bowing down to an idol, but we have our idols in our hearts. But Jesus continues to show up again and again and again and again and again and again. He reinstates Peter here. He initiates forgiveness. He initiates grace. Just like that song we sang. Yeah, death was arrested. It's by his grace, by his grace. Jesus will reinstate us and come to us again and again and again, even when we throw him under the bus. Amen? Amazing. That's amazing grace. And this is the second miracle that Jesus showed up on the shore in the middle of nowhere to love those who deserted him, to love those who had doubted him and probably still doubted him. But Jesus looked at his disciples and us through the lens of grace and mercy. Amen. Yes, thank you. Yes, it's, ama it's amazing grace. Next, Jesus reinstates Peter, verse 15, 16, 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, this is a whole sermon in itself right here in these uh, several verses, but I'm not going to go through that. But I will say that all the, all the uh, disciples and others knew Peter had denied Jesus three times. His reputation had taken a big hit. He was kind of a leader before, but Peter, yeah, he was the one who denied Jesus three times. Would Jesus trust Peter again? Would the other, other disciples trust Peter as a leader again? 
A lot of questions there, right? The disciples that night had trusted Peter as a fisherman because they went out with him, but would they follow him as a fisher of men? Jesus showed up to reinstate Peter as a disciple and a teacher. Most of the conversation here in this part is not with other, other, not with John or James. It's with Peter. It's a hard conversation for Peter. But Jesus challenges Peter to love him, to feed and take care of his followers. Jesus wanted Peter to finally realize that he is to be a fisher of men, not a fisherman. God had a job that he trusted Peter to do in spite of failures, in spite of weaknesses, in spite of his sin. But Jesus did not define Peter by his failures or, su or successes in the past. In this case, some failures. This is the third miracle. As much as uh, Peter had failed and threw Jesus under the bus. He still had a job for Peter. As much as we have failed, oh my goodness, I don't even want to start, right? Uh, not looking at you, but looking at myself. Um, Peter, Jesus had a job for Peter. As much as we have failed, he has a job for us. He has a mission for us. The mission field may not be Japan. Uh... Otherwise, who would send you guys? If all you guys went, went to Japan, who would send all you guys, right? But you have a mission field. Usually it's your job or it's your family, but you have a mission field right here. Do you think you lack abilities? Oh, yes. The answer is yes. Are you still a sinner? Oh, Sure. And those things won't change. And I just lost my place. Sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. We're still messed up people. We're still sinners. We still have our, our faults and problems, our idols of our hearts sometimes. We may be lazy. We may not be the sharpest tools in the shed. But just like Peter, Jesus wants to redefine who you are in light of his grace and saving work on the cross. So even after this, you think Peter would be charged up, ready to go. Here comes Jesus. He talked to me. He appeared to me. But yet, if we read through the verses here, we'll see that suddenly Peter realized he was going to suffer. And his response was, was not, hey, okay, I'm ready, I'm ready. He points to John. He turns around to John. I think this is verse 19. Peter's first, first response was not to tell Jesus, hey, yes, I'm ready to go. But turning around, he looked at John. So I think Peter's kind of a, a representation of all of us. We find it easy to deflect any personal challenges. We wonder why, hey, why is it he doing that? Why is it she doing that? Instead of focusing on what God wants to say to us. And as you know, in spite of Peter's faults and problems, God used 
Jesus used Peter to help change the world. He went out to the Gentiles and changed the world. And that has effects even to us today. He has a job for you. God sometimes will do things like the no catch of fish to grab our attention. But he, he shows up again and again and again and again and again in our lives. And he has a job for you. God works in our lives, not because of, our, not because of ourselves, but in spite of ourselves. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you that you show up again and again and again in our lives. And it is amazing grace. It's not because of our abilities, our experience, our efforts, or our righteousness. It's because of your righteousness. It's because of what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, I'm gonna show I'm gonna share I'm gonna share something about Japan yet. I did want to just give you give take about ten minutes to show some slides um, from Japan, just to give you an idea of what what we're doing. Uh, so if we can have those slides up. Uh, yeah, that's me and my wife Anne Marie and my older son Zachary is on the far side there, be my right or your left. Uh, my wife is a coordinator. She coordinates conferences, uh, mission meetings. Um, she's also very involved in trying to get Christians into the marketplace. She coordinated a Christian film festival, and that's a long story, but she invited, they invite many non-Christians, people in the Hollywood part of Japan to come and, and to a, a film festival where it's not openly Christian, but a lot of the key people are Christian, and all the themes are about human experiences, suffering. And so it's just to get the, yeah, the believers into the marketplace, in, into the world. And so after the film festival is over, they have a big kind of dinner celebration, and they invite pastors and key Christian people, and they just interact with normal people who are involved in the, in, in the film industry, invite them to church. The guy, uh, second person over from me, uh, he's some actor, I can't remember his name, I think it's uh, Rick, Riku, uh, he's not a Christian, but he came to this film festival. We invited him to church. He'd been to church one other time in his life, and he's, he's, uh, he was really, he's gone through some struggles and just wondering what life is about. Uh, so he came to church with us one, one time in June, right after the film festival. So Amory is very, very involved in these efforts to just kind of uh, reach out to the marketplace, we call it, or secular world, and also very involved in organizing uh, conferences. Next slide, please. Uh, this is just through June 12th. Uh, I, I teach at a kind of a school that has, a Japanese school that has Christian roots. So I'm free to invite kids to church. I'm free to invite Christian friends or somebody to come into school and share. I do some chapel times there several times a month. Um, this is just on June 12th. So there's been a lot more uh, COVID restrictions in Japan. So we really couldn't invite people even until recently. But I invited three students to come to church with me on June 12th. And three of them came. I, I was shocked. Shouldn't have been. But uh, they just all three came to church and they enjoyed it. The guy on, on this part here, his dad just was hit by a truck about three months ago. 
Uh, this other guy, he struggles in class, but I tried to encourage him. I said, hey, in high school, uh, I had a bad stuttering problem. I was shy. I don't always take, I'm a very slow learner, right? I shared that. Uh, so I encourage him. I've given them both uh, bilingual Bibles. They've been reading a little bit. So, but they came to church. The third guy, next slide, please. That came to church. He's right there in the middle. His name is So. Should be easy for you to remember. Um, so, right? He came to church, but he wasn't in that picture at lunchtime because he stayed after and talked to the church people for like two or three hours. At 4.30, literally almost 4.30, he calls me and says, are you guys still eating lunch? Uh, no, we're, we're home. We all went home. It's 4.30, dude. Uh, but that was really neat. And then the following Sunday, June 19th, he also uh, went to the same church and just stayed after and hung out with the people. I've lost touch a little bit with him this summer, but I will go back and follow up with them. So it's just God's work just to get someone to come to church. For all three of those guys, it was their first time to church. They do have chapel time messages at the school we're at, but to be out and go to a church, a really gospel-believing church, it was their first time. So I just kind of try to connect. Yeah, my job as well is to connect uh, people to the church. Uh, Next slide, please. Uh, this guy's name is Rick. I've been teaching him English off and on uh, through preschool and then not so much through elementary school. Uh, he's not a believer. His mom is not either. Unfortunately, his dad died about four years ago. So I just try to follow up with him every couple months. Uh, just try to spend some time with him, go to a video arcade. or this, In this case, he was going to his piano recital or it could be throwing a Frisbee around. So he's very open. His mom's very open, but they are not uh, believers yet. Yeah, so Rick, if you remember Rick, in Japanese it's uh, Riku, but we can just call him Rick. So you can pray for him. A couple more slides and I'll... Uh, this guy's name is Akira. He is a, a teacher at the uh, Japanese kind of Christian school where I teach. He's only about 37, 30, maybe 38 but three years ago, he had a massive heart attack, almost died, probably shouldn't be alive. Uh, he comes from kind of a, a Christian home, uh, but they're kind of culturally Christian. He had not really, he has not asked Jesus to come in his life yet. But, you know, a heart attack is a good way to maybe think about your future and also eternity. So I always try to spend time with him. Every the month, we go out to a restaurant. Uh, but and now he's back teaching at the at the one school where I at the at the same school where I teach. So yeah, pray for Akira. Uh, maybe make two or three more slides, please. Uh, this is the same uh, kind of a school where I teach at that I'm allowed to share Christianity. Um, I also teach elementary kids. Um, and this particular slide here, a guy named Ray Sidney, who does black gospel music, came into the school and through kind of a black gospel music workshop, you know, clapping and singing, um, using certain words and phrases. He's able to come into school and, and share about hope and peace and salvation. And this is a picture with, my, I think it's my fifth graders. Uh, they're interesting. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll say that much. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, this is also very uh, interesting. Again, I can really... It's all about God. I can really honestly say that everything I'm doing, I didn't plan. I mean, God tells us to make plans, but, you know, I made plans, but God had different plans for me. Uh, 
the young boy down there, uh, I started tutoring him about three years ago. Uh, he wanted, uh, it's a complicated, anyway, it's, he wanted an English uh, conversation teacher, and his mom wants somebody to come and teach him. So I was teaching him about three months, maybe about twice a month, and so I started getting to know the mom more, and, and I said, oh yeah, what does your husband do? He's a Buddhist priest. Oh, okay. Uh, I got, okay, God, I, so... Uh, but he, he's been very uh, open. I've given them some tracts and some gospel stuff. I always ask the mom for permission. Is this okay? You know, I don't want to uh, offend you or anything. And she's been very open. Uh, this is a couple weeks ago before I came to America. Uh, so the, once in a while the father comes down, but usually on weekends he's doing uh, Buddhist funerals. I don't see him very often, but he came down, gave him a big hug. He's had some health issues. So his, his name is Lucky, which sounds like Lucky. So remember to pray for Lucky as well. And let's see what else, what's next here. Uh, this is Ray Sidney. He's doing the Black Gospel Music I mentioned before. He came to our school, but because it, he has something that appeals to the students and the, and the staff, and it's fun, and it's English, they let him do uh, the morning worship time. And we had someone in interpret it. Uh, so that's also the school I teach at. And maybe one more, then we'll stop. I also coach at a more, at like a international Christian school. That's usually in the afternoon or evenings. This is just, uh, my team is on the left side here. It's a Christian school, but certainly not all the kids are Christians. Maybe, maybe half or even less. Most of the staff are, are, are Christians. And I'm free to share um, anything I want to. And I, I, I try to. You know, team dynamics, like unity. What's important about unity? Where did unity come from? Forgiveness, right? You make mistakes. Everyone makes mistakes. And you, you get mad at each other and get mad at the coach. You know, how do you work with mistakes? Reconciliation. Love. I mean, how many coaches tell their team, well, yeah, I guess you should love each other. Where does love come from? It comes from God. So all these things... Uh, I, I can share, and yeah, it's just really neat to to be there. And a big reason I can be there is because we are we are sent uh, by churches and individuals uh, like you. Um, you're part of a team, uh, imperfect and full of faults, but you are part of uh, our team. And it's just a really we're very thankful. Uh, for that. So we really, for financial support and, and, and prayer support. Um, I don't have any kind of display. I don't have any prayer cards right now, but if you're interested in talking to me, you can always talk to Pastor Jesse. He has my, our email. We have a newsletter that goes out about every two, two or three months. So if you're interested in getting on that newsletter list to pray and, and support us in some way, uh, come see me. I'll take your email today. I'll respond in a day or two. Um, but yeah, it's just been a real blessing to, to uh, be uh, sent by you, supported by you in, in prayer and finances for about 20 years, I guess, plus at this time. So thank you very much for your part and your investment in the kingdom of God in Japan.